What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Blooming Out the Concrete Jungle, where we highlight the success stories of Los Angeles residents who decided to pursue their passions as careers. I'm your host, Taj Robles. When it comes to pursuing a creative dream, many times our ideas are shot down because they are viewed as not being stable or we are told to be practical in choosing a career option. So many times, first-generation students take it to heart and follow the norm. But as we grow older, we realize that this is our life and we should follow what our hearts desire. My guest today is Ashley Granillo, a Mexican-American writer and professor of English who found an extension of, of herself through music aside from teaching. This gave her a new means of direction in her life, and today we will dive into how music has become a form of communication for when words aren't enough. So, Ms. Granillo, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much, Taj. So, let's just dive right in. Um, tell me, when did your love for music begin? Oh, I think that started, like, immediately out the womb kind of a thing like I don't remember a time when I didn't love music um like my very first memories are singing Rush Rush by Paula Abdul at like the age of four in my car seat and my cousin like turned the radio and I started screaming and because he wanted to listen to like Nirvana or something at that time and I was like no turn it back um and I like cried until like Rush Rush came back on the radio um and I was like four so since then I can like safely say the radio doesn't get turned off unless like I need a break from hearing too many people talk at the same time but yeah <laughs> overstimulated right yeah totally <laughs> So talking about overstimulation, um, do you ever get overwhelmed trying to juggle being a professor and pursuing music? Oh, like, definitely. I, I would say like, most of, I think just last night, I had like a stress dream that I wasn't like, doing enough for my students. And there was actually like, part of that dream was like, a student was like, you're not doing enough for me. And I feel bad, because I feel like anytime I, I take time for me, um, I'm not doing my job enough. Like, even though I've put in my hours for the day, right? Like I do like my whole nine to five thing. Like I, I set boundaries like that for myself. And if I do take time off from like five to seven or like five to 10 o'clock at night and like a student has some kind of crisis um, and I'm not there because I'm doing music or I'm writing or I'm sitting at my piano and I'm not answering an email, like I feel... I get impacted like emotionally right away because I I never want a student to feel like I'm purposely ignoring them. Um, but I also do like to express to my students like, look, I need a palate cleanser sometimes. <laughs> like I just I just need some me time um, where I'm trying to work through my own emotional stuff that's going on, and the only way that I can do that is creatively. Um, so emotionally, sometimes it can be hard to juggle those things in terms of like habits. Um, my songwriting coach actually taught me this thing called atomic habits, where it's like you do one thing a day and you keep doing that thing, like no matter how like crappy or bad it is, like as long as you're doing that one thing a day, you're adding to your overall goal. So the first atomic habit was like, okay, in between passing periods of, of classes, because I have like a 10 minute break, um, I'll pull out my notes section and like jot down a verse that sometimes comes to me like mid lecture. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, I gotta type this down. All right, teacher mode. Um, so atomic habits have actually like been a game changer. And so time management wise, I'm good, but it's like the emotional management that gets a little iffy sometimes. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I completely understand that. Sometimes I feel students need to remember that their professors are just as human as, you know, as we are, and that like, they need a, a break as well, you know, because obviously sometimes I'm pretty sure you've had students what, during your 10 minute break, let's say you do want to do your little note taking that have questions after class. And I'm pretty sure, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm mentioning that because I've done that and I'm starting to think about it. I'm like, dang, like, what if they needed to like decompress themselves and we're over here just like a line of students trying to get a question in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, that just happened last week and I was like, oh my gosh, I just want to take like a bio break, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to get that opportunity. That's fine. It's okay. I mean, you know, for anyone that's listening, that is a student, you know, maybe we, we can take what she just mentioned into consideration. <laughs> uh, maybe we could email them after class or something, you know, give them their time. Yeah. Uh, so in regards to that, you say it takes an emotional toll. Uh, do you ever wish you were doing something different? Um, I don't know. Like I've, always struggled with this and I, I think like my friend group who's mostly comprised of teachers sometimes takes offense to this when I'm like I don't want to be just a teacher and they're like I'm just a teacher am, am I a bad person and I'm like no I'm not saying that I'm just saying like I have things that I've always wanted to do and I just want to do them before I regret it later in life um so sometimes I still have like my 13 year old dreams where I'm like, I'm going to be a pop star. And like, what if this record takes off? And I kind of plan this out before I even get to that point where I'm like, if I was given the opportunity to tour versus teaching, what would I do in that moment? Like my heart says tour, but my financial stability says to, to remain a teacher. Um, what if tour fails? And so I constantly flip-flop between these two things. I think that teaching will always be some sort of like innate part of me. I think of, again, my songwriting coach, Greta Morgan, who was part of a band called The Hush Sound in the early aughts, um, did some stuff for Vampire Weekend, and how she's gravitated towards teaching and songwriting at the same time. And I have felt that she's always been a person that, like to teach those like within her like community but now she's like I love teaching it's like the thing that it's part of me and I love to do recording and and songwriting and all of that so I feel like if you have a good time management balance and a good sense of like how much you can give to the world that you can do both um so I would want to do both but I would just also wonder like if I got too famous would people even be able to take my class? Like, would that be a security issue? <laughs> oh, I, uh, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, the good thing is you think about like the little things, you know? Yeah. I, like I didn't picture that because um, for me personally, I hopefully plan to teach in the future, but you know, after oh, my own thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's it's, a, it's a tough thing how you said. I think most people in general struggle with time management or if not, we wouldn't be as stressed as a society as we are. True. <laughs> but I mean, even with the stress, you know, I feel like there's so much reward, uh, re rewarding aspects uh, to any field. So what would you say is one of the most rewarding parts about being a teacher and then one of the most rewarding things you found as being an artist? Being a teacher, it's always so great when my students are like, we've 
I haven't seen them for years. And then they come back to me and they're like, oh, that class like actually taught me so much. And now like I'm, I'm better at grad school. And now some of them are like whole doctors and lawyers and stuff. And I'm like, I, I did that, uh, me, <laughs> like there's no way I could have prepared you for that. And they're like, oh my God, like I was miles ahead of my other, of the other students in class. And like, I'm just thankful, like you drilled that in. Um, and like some of the little things too, is like, I'll, I've sometimes given students like their first job. So like they have, um, job experience. And then when they come back and they say that job, that tutoring job actually really prepared me for this job. Like that to me is always fun. And then it's always fun too, when my students become my friends. Um, and now I, I I'm invited to like weddings and, and stuff. And it's like, it's still weird. Cause I feel like old. Um, and I'm like, oh, look at these like hip kids getting married and I'm like slowly getting older. <laughs> um, but it's so awesome to see them progress and happy and, and be themselves. And I'm glad that I gave them a space to do that and find who they actually are in writing and just as, as a person. Um, but for me, music gives me that safe space to be me that I don't always get to be sometimes in academia because as an academic, you have to have a certain mask on um, that typically when you're creating and like writing music, like you can strip yourself and rid yourself of all those restrictions and just be you. So music has actually helped me find like, who am I? I've given all of my students their own voices, but like, what's mine? Um, so I'm starting to slowly figure out exactly like who I am as an artist. And it's really exciting and scary at the same time, but exciting. <laughs> so, you know, obviously everybody feels like they need to find themselves or, you know, they do. I, people I've talked to have told me how they pursue like different interests because they don't know what they want to do. Mm -hmm. So ever any like clubs or organizations that helped guide your path into teaching and into music? Um, in terms of teaching, I was led to this path through the LACCD mentorship program called Project Match. Um, and that really gave me a sense of like what teaching at a community college was like, what teaching at Pierce would be like further down the road. Um, and that was just an incredible thing that I threw myself into, uh, even though I was like, I have no teaching experience. Please help me. Um, so that was awesome in terms of like clubs and like, I'm thinking back to like grad school. Like I was just talking to, um, she's not a student, but she is a daughter of a friend of a band that member that I know. Yeah. And she's at this club in Cal State Fullerton where they get to go to like music venues and tour music venues and, and work behind the scenes, music industry stuff. And I remember trying to join one of those as a student at 18 years old, and we were supposed to go to BB King's um, on Universal Studios, like the City Walk, but it was closed and they were like totally forgot that we were supposed to show up. And that was like my experience as like music <laughs> industry stuff as a, an undergrad was like, oh, so it's just gonna be a big disappointment. Okay, I see what this is like. Um, so really for me, it was, I had to go find stuff outside of school and the community in order to situate myself in a position where I wanted to be. Got you. So, you know, obviously you had like a bad experience in grad school. Um, 
after like experiencing that you still decided to still pursue music despite you know those hardships um so would you say now you found more of a sense of community in music I think I'm starting to it's still like a, a slow build um a lot of the people that I'm currently working with have been musicians since I was 19 and we've been friends for that long and I was like hey so I finally have I finally have music do you think you want to help me and they're like oh my god I've been waiting for this for like our whole lives like you're finally doing it and just the other day someone from my songwriting class was like would you like to do like this experimental co-writing thing with me and I'm like oh now people are asking me to to join them on their projects like oh crap, I'm good at something, I think. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure yet. I'm still trying to gauge whether or not this is me being good or this is just she gets things done. That's why we want to work with her. It could be both. But I'm still very much a, an anxious person who is just like, I don't know if they really like me. Imposter syndrome, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like in any type of like situation, most like, especially new types of like environments, we feel like that imposter syndrome I mean uh, one of the previous shows I did talk to somebody who is in law school and it, uh, mm. was Adelena Ramirez and she says how she did feel imposter syndrome because she was surrounded by people you know who come from like a lineage of like lawyers and doctors and they have people who've already been in their situation but one thing she mentioned was that um, you work just as hard to be in that same room or that same situation as them so you have that you have what it takes because or else you wouldn't be in like that room with those people. You know, you're both, you're all at the same level in the sense of like, you're taking the same classes, you're taking like the same uh, career paths. So it's more of so like just accepting that you do belong there and to like shake off your own like insecurities. Um, yeah, I appreciate that validation. I need to take that to heart sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, like I said, we're, we're all humans, you know, so that's why like, I learn as much from people as they learn from me. And that's why, you know, I enjoy like doing this like podcast talk show thing because I've learned so much uh, from the people I've interviewed, um, which leads me to my next question. Um, what would you say was your biggest culture shock when you started teaching? And then what was the biggest culture shock you had like once you were in the music space? <laughs> teaching, there, there are too many to name um, when it comes to teaching. I think like my first job at Pierce um, a long time ago in like 2014 I was given my first class by myself without my mentor it was just me and the students were having cultural conflicts with one another and it got so bad that students were like pounding on the desks and screaming at each other and I was told that this was a possible thing that could potentially happen but I just wasn't prepared for like that kind of blow up and I was like how do I handle this I don't know how to handle this handle <laughs> I was like I mean it sounds you know <laughs> I'm already trying to picture it like you know you see in movies where kids are like not paying attention to the substitute teachers so I kind of like I don't know if that was what you experienced I mean it sounds dramatic I don't think it's as dramatic as I'm making it out to be but like in my brain it was like oh my gosh like all of my students are fighting with each other because they all speak different languages and they all think that they're talking about each other in a bad way. And there's some poor mis like communication happening here. I need to figure out how to make these people of different cultures come together and realize that we're all working towards the same goal. So it was like, 
All right. That day I let myself cry. Um, talk to my supervisor, (laughs) (laughs) you know, feel your feelings. Um, but then like the next class, it was like devising a plan of how to have them participate in group activities that would decrease the separation, um, from one another. Um, I learned a lot from that. And I've also learned a lot from working in like predominantly white spaces um, where I teach critical race theory. And it was like this person, the student blew up and was like trying to find all of my personal information and um, telling me I need to get out of the classroom and and things like that because I was teaching critical race theory and making them feel uncomfortable. Um, so that was a shock to me because I thought I was, I was doing something good for everyone. Um, and again, I didn't know how to handle that except to cry, talk to my supervisor and kind of regroup, like, how do you bring this idea back to the class? These things happen time and time again. That was when I was like a baby teacher. Um, as they happen now, I have more experience. I've been through the gamut of things as a teacher. So I feel like I have a pretty good toolbox. Um, doesn't mean I cry less, (laughs) um, but I have a pretty good toolbox. Um, musically, oh God, I haven't gotten over stage fright, um, or anything like that, uh, yet, um, I'm slowly learning how to share my music with people without apologizing for it yeah do you feel um, it's because it's more personal because i wouldn't like you know stage fright i would think you would have it conquered because you're always in front of a bunch of people it case <laughs> you know like that's why i find that interesting actually um, um yeah i mean like i can tell a joke in front of a class and like like a dad joke and like have it flop and be okay with it but it. a student last semester was like will you sing for us and i was like absolutely 100% no. Um, no, it's not going to happen. And they were like, why? And I'm like, cause no, I, I don't, I just started sweating. I was just like, no, I can't do this. Um, but for music, it's just, maybe it is personal. Maybe I'm afraid of judgment. Um, I've had students who've read like, for instance, my creative writing and they're like, oh, that, that kind of sucked. And I was like, oh, really? They told you it's like yeah they, they they felt safe enough to tell me like you know it's not that um, great and I'm like I appreciate your honesty at least um and so I guess I'm afraid that somebody will hear my voice and say it's mediocre maybe I should stop singing maybe I should just stick to singing <laughs> like I don't want anyone to kill my dream <laughs> when I'm so excited for it so maybe that's it yeah you feel like you keep it in your bubble but then if you have I see it as like you say you have dreams of being a pop star uh how are you gonna expand if you constantly keep yourself in a bubble you know no uh, you're right <laughs> you know I'm not it's not me judging you or say, you know it's just me like expressing you know like what you've mentioned back to yourself because sometimes I feel like we say things but we don't take our own advice <laughs> no it's totally true I always tell my students to stop being scared but I'm the biggest scaredy cat in the room um yeah because I mean what I realized you know think about like blogs in a sense like everyone gets judged no matter what like blog there's blog posts for like the most simple things like oh somebody sent a letter to this saying this and this and that 
and then you know people just jump to conclusions so it's I feel like right as an artist maybe like people have to learn as like as we're teaching you know like when somebody said you're creating writing kind of suck you know you have a tough skin for that already yeah so <laughs> as yeah so, like how I guess like we have to figure out a way to build a, like that tough skin for our other passions as well, even though they are more personal. I think because they are more personal, maybe we should see it as like, um, at the end of the day, whatever, like you think is your opinion, because this is something that is me, regardless mm -hmm. whether you like it or not, you know? Yeah, no, I that's, so again, sound advice that I need to take and actually put forth into the universe. Um so wise <laughs> uh, I try to be <laughs> so let's see um you know we've talked we've touched a lot of topics you know I appreciate you being like open and vulnerable on uh, my podcast and um so I guess one of my last questions for you would be let's say you could go back in time you know time traveling is there anything you would have changed uh changed or done differently in regards to your careers I probably wouldn't have been afraid to pursue music um, because I was the kid that earned like a music honors degree at her high school because I was like in like two choirs or something like that. I was in music tech. I took guitar. I had so many opportunities to work with people who did own studios and produce music. Um, and I did do like auditions for some singing shows and I never got over the rejection. I never got over the uncertainty and the scariness of like, this won't work. Um, and I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be a failure. And of course, as like a first generation college student, I wanted to make my family proud. I wanted to be that person who got her degree, did something with the degree and didn't just like waste time. So I put that to the back burner and I think. I would tell my younger self, like, just do the music thing. Um, because the teaching thing, you're an older sister, you help raise your cousins. That's always going to be natural for you. You could come back to that at some point in your life, but I think you need to put yourself first. So I would tell her to put herself first and, and try everything, let it fail. Just do it. Who knows where she would have been by now? Yeah. But I'm also happy where I'm at too. Yeah, that's what I say. Like sometimes, um, it's just literally, literally like that domino effect. You know, one little thing could change the whole trajectory and course of your life. And uh, in this instance, I, I understand, or I'm, it's relatable because I'm also like a first generation student, and I, um, how do I say this? You know, it's just uh, wanting to make your family proud because you know you are the first one. Everybody's looking up to you, so, um. Yeah, it's one of those things where we just we have to do what we're raised to do, but yeah. at the same time, you know, how do we how do we set up those boundaries to you know make ourselves happy? Because yeah, you know, who cares about our happiness? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's um, been the biggest hurdle, I think. Um, yeah, but yeah. So you know, let's wrap this up then. Um, what would you say would be your advice to anyone who aspires? to either be an educator or become an artist? I think if you first want to be an artist, that you should be an artist. Um, I meet so many students on a regular basis where they're like, I want to be 
in a rock band, but my parents want me to be a nurse. And I always ask them, but what do you want to be? And it's that question that makes them freeze. And I said, just don't be like me, please. I gave up so many of my passions to pursue other people's passions that I, at a later life, started regretting things. And that's why I'm doing it all now. And it sounds cool that I'm doing it all now. Um, but internally, it's like a right, I feel like I'm like Lin Manuel Miranda, like running out of time um, and just constantly trying to build back what I didn't. So if you're an artist, keep pursuing things. Don't let rejections hold you back. They'll help you grow. Like Taj said, you know, we have to grow thicker skin um, if we really want to do the things that we want to do. And I mean, the same for teaching. It takes tough skin to stand up there every day and teach and try. And sometimes lessons fail and you have to regroup and figure out what's best for your students. Um, that might be changing your whole trajectory. Um, but honestly, for teaching, I would, I would ask everyone the question, like, why are you doing it? Why are you teaching? Because if you're teaching for money or you're teaching for some other monetary gain, this isn't the place to do it. Teaching is such a, I feel like a, such a reciprocated bond with your student and yourself to you learn from them. I learn from you, vice versa. And it's such an awesome exchange when it happens that way. Um, so if you're going to be a teacher, think about why you're teaching. I knew that I wanted to be a teacher because I had a lot of crappy teachers who made me cry all the time and made me feel like I wasn't the smartest kid in the room. Oh, <laughs> and I can name them all. <laughs> um, and I always said, if I could be a teacher, I'd be so much better than you. So it's kind of like a spite thing. Okay, just low key, just a little bit of spite. But <laughs> also, I just wanted better teachers in the world. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Gennaro, for being here, you know, and being so um, being so vulnerable with me and, uh, you know, just everybody to all our listeners for tuning in. Um, I'm Taj Robles for kpcradio.com. Y'all have a good night.